Well, Kent Adams here. Welcome to a special, a special special. Number one is special guest, Tom MacArthur, my friend. How are Good morning. You? Are you keeping out of trouble? Well, no. What's the fun in that? Oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have the slightest idea what you're talking about. Um, Tom and I, we've known each other for, what, like 25 years or so. I would put a plus on the end of that, but yeah. uh, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah. You were back at Krem in those days, and yes. you've done a number of things and, and so forth. And we had this great plan this summer to go down to a favorite place of mine called Bodie, California. And one of us dropped out a month or so ago, but you and your brother went. We did. Yes. And so this... We're going to talk about Bodie, California today on this special because uh, uh, I've been involved over the years. I started going when I was 14, which would be 60-some years ago, and it was uh, not a public park at that time. It was owned by the Kane family and, and so forth. Uh, we're the bankers in town. Bankers always own everything one way or the other, or the mortgage on it, right? And... Um, and I kept talking about this, and you even helped me with a brochure and some things when we were forming a foundation about 15 years ago or so. And you finally said, yeah, I want to go see that place. I'm going to go. Yes. Tell me, this is headed toward Bodie right now. Um, what did you think when you drove into, because you're kind of used to northwest weather, but that kind of reminds you of Spokane a little bit, doesn't it? A little bit. That was just after a rainstorm. Okay. And the whole interest in Bodie, California is uh, in the fact that it is a ghost town. Yes. One of the largest and best preserved in the United States. Yes. So that's the magnet yes. that drew you originally and right. drew me from your stories about it. Yes. <laughs> and ghost towns are uh, towns that used to be a, a big deal. Yes. And then just almost overnight disappeared. Yeah. Except they didn't disappear. The people did. But everything they brought there remains. Yes. Unless so, you had some fires. <laughs> right? And we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk about, about those. Um, you're, you took a picture of the road going in, which yeah. I think is interesting because the last, what, three miles are, is a dirt road, right? Yeah. Yeah. It gets more and more rustic. So it kind of tunes you into the time. Yes. Uh, and I took these pictures not only for my personal record, but so that you could take the trip virtually through our effort, because I know how much you wanted to go this year, yeah. and for various reasons, things didn't work right, out. Right, right. So here's the arrival experience. And yes, it's hot. Uh, there's our <laughs> rental car with the doors open so we can cool it down. Um, <laughs> but if you go back, I don't know if you can go back one picture. If not, um, there are markers at the side of the road yes. for the snowplow, because the snow is that deep, and you need to know where the road is so you can plow on top of it. Right. So four dramatically different seasons. Yes. And yeah, we had a rental car, but most people in the old days would arrive on horseback or mule. Right, right. Well, and during the winter time, which can be from the 1st of November as early and through even April, May, uh, they use, a, what do they call it, a four-track or something to get in there because they can ride over the countryside to get supplies in and so forth because there are uh, uh, California rangers who stay there year-round to protect uh, the, the, the town and especially the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the uh, 
Firebell, oh, yeah. Yeah, which has been stolen a couple times over the years, but always finds its way back somehow. <laughs> that, um, so, okay, you're, you and your brother are headed into, into town. And, and, uh, and it looks like a regular highway, yeah. you know, in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And this is off 395, which for those of us who live up in Spokane area here, Travels all the way up through Spokane and north to the border, I believe, even. And so this is off 395. What is it? About 15, 20 mile drive in, if I remember right. About that? Yeah. 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 And we were taking it slow. Yes. And I'd pull over frequently while cars behind us wanted to pass. And, and there we are. <laughs> the pavement ends. I don't had, know if you could see Had I that. warned you that the pavement ends? Oh, yeah. Okay. And we deliberately got an SUV rental car. Because of that word of caution that yeah. you don't know what shape the road is going to be in. Yeah, yeah. It was really in quite good shape. Yeah. Uh, so here's the transition from pavement to pavement ends. Yes. Uh, and there and is you got to go sign. up a little bit of a hill. Yes. And then you drop down into Bodie, don't you? Yep. Yeah. Uh, also a reminder here, no services. Yeah. That means no auto services, no food. There is water there and bathrooms. But That's that is it. it. That's it. That really is it. Books. And, well, there and, is a gift shop. And a, and a gift shop. There's always a gift shop <laughs> right. in the museum. And by the way, thank you for the mug you brought back. You're very welcome. Yeah, we both, we both have. You brought one, too. So we both have Bodie. Bodie, California. Bodie, California. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So let's move along here. You only have like 200 pictures or something uh, like that. More than 300, actually. But not oh. all of those were loaded today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Actually, what are the mountains in the background? That's the Sierras, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, this was, as I say, the we, we went there two days in a row, and I took more pictures the second day because I kind of knew where, right. where we wanted right. to get some photographs. Uh, so the, the, what you can't see in this picture is the smell of the second day after a rain. Yes. And the glorious smell of sage. Really, yes. really strong. Yes, and it really is. The whole High Sierras are that way, though. I found that after a rain, you can you can sm smell the sagebrush and, and everything else. So in Debody, a, a couple of different plaques and so forth in there. I believe it was 1963 that it became a state park and, and put in what they call ar arrested, not like you're arresting somebody, the sheriff, arrested decay, which means they work on it these to this to this day to keep it as it was in 1963 and you'll see some work as we look at some of the buildings that they've had to prop things up I remember showing a picture of the town um, and one of the the picture was old enough meaning a couple years before there had been a hundred mile an hour wind through there and the building had fallen down and so Brad who you met said well Kent that that's an old picture because that that fell down a few months ago, and so, yeah. Our uh, uh, staff escort for that tour that day was uh, Brad Sturdivant, who was the um, executive director of the Friends of Bodie, the Bodie Foundation. Right, right. The organization you helped found yes. years ago. Yeah, that was a fun experience, and I think, um, you know, I see on Facebook and other places people go there for the first time, and they have the reaction you did. Oh, my gosh, it's really a fun place to go and when we look at you even see it in that picture there's only about eight to ten percent of the buildings left because of fires two big ones two big ones yes the last one in 1932 started by Bodie Bill I think he was like five or eight years old can you imagine boys playing with matches 
I just can't. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Human nature hasn't changed much yeah, over yeah, time. Yeah. Um, there's a t there's actually a picture as you walk into town from the parking lot. And uh, one of the first, first things you see is the Methodist church. Um, the Catholics came along, I think, a few years later and built their church. Um, I, I don't think it's still in existence, as I recall. But um, did you go directly to the church and look inside? Because it's, it's one it's of the, the few buildings. It's the first big structure that you right. uh, 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 come across as you enter the park. And the front door's open, so of course yes. you have to see of course. what's inside. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what the sequence is of these photographs, if we get to see the inside or not, but... Uh, it's uh, it's a church no longer used as a church, right, uh, right. more as a lecture hall. Uh, but the pews are there. The all of the furniture is there from that time. Yes, and there are certain spots like here's one where you've got many of the homes that are still left. And the question a lot of people will say, well, were they just was it just raw wood? No, it was painted back in those days. We're talking about a town that was founded by. Uh, a fellow in uh, 1859, he didn't know he was founding a town because he actually died in a snowstorm and his friends found him after the, the snowstorm. Um, but uh, so who knew that it would turn into a town? But in the 80s, 1880s, 1890s was really when it thrived and uh, had its own bank and telegraph and all the other things that that come with a modern society in the late 1800s. But um, you got to look in a lot of the windows, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> what you'll notice, uh, as you can see on the roof here and yes. some of these structures, um, a couple of facts to set up why these places look the way they do. Uh, one, there is no usable timber or lumber at yes. that elevation. It's at 8,000 plus feet above right, sea level, right. which is three times as high as Snoqualmie Pass okay. to give that a local relevance. Good. And so there's no trees, there's no wood. You have to import yes. all of your wood. And nothing really grows at that elevation either. No. So you have to import all of your food. Yes. And in those days, it was canned food. Yes. Yes. And yeah. what do you do when you have all of these empty cans? You cut them in half, nail them flat, and use them for shingles on the roof. Yep, yep. Even on the sides of buildings. To keep you the probably wind from saw coming through. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you heat your house in those days? You burned what you could. Yeah, the wood that was brought in uh, primarily, primarily by Indians uh -huh. in, in the area. They found a way to make some money. And so they brought it, brought it in by the... And that was as precious as anything, True. is to keep your house relatively warm. Um, uh, there's a story, I can't remember the guy that, that would be stealing wood to, for his little dugout house, and so someone put a small piece of TNT in the wood, drilled a hole and stuck it in, so they knew exactly who was stealing some of the, the yeah. wood. I mean, I love the stories. I mean, people did what they had to do back in those days. Oh, but, it, it's, a, it's a narrative of American capitalism, Yeah, you know? Everything has a price, everything has, has a provider, and everything has a buyer. Yeah. Uh, well, there's the... We'll, there's the interior. We'll, we'll circle back... There you go, right. ...to the, <laughs> to the, to the church. Uh, but relatively well-preserved inside, I think. Mm -hmm. And as you said, they, I know I, I've seen lectures done and, and, and so forth. Uh, reminds me of what you would see on Little House on the Prairie. Yep. Uh, and, and some of the typical uh, westerns, if you will, uh, of the day. 
And the church isn't as rough-hewn as the others because the sin came first, then came the salvation. So oh, there's probably a decade or two between some of these buildings and the church. Yes, yes, I'm sure there was more than a decade. Um, as I said, the Catholics didn't get around to it for a, for a while, so maybe they just felt more comfortable. I don't know. But uh, that's one of the streets that heads up to Bodie Bluff, and uh, we'll see the uh, stamp mill here in a in a in a couple of slides, and and uh, uh, again. They used whatever they could use. Um, later on, when the railroad came to the top of Bodie Bluff, uh, they were able to bring in wood that way, and, and that helped in uh, supplies. Um, and uh, on many of the houses, even though the door is locked, you can peek in through the windows. Yes, yes. And some of these shots were taken that way through the windows. And you talk about arrested development. You know, they got yeah. up one morning and walked out and kept yeah. walking and yeah. never came back. Yeah. Uh, there was some discussion that, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll strike it big and I'll need to come back. Or maybe they'll strike another load and there's a reason well, to come back. Well, it was also taking things out. They were limited to maybe mm -hmm. a wagon and that was it, yep. too, you know, where they had imported stuff. Uh, did, did you need to repair anything at the sewing machine while you were, uh, <laughs> you were there? No, but it is an interesting document to human existence in yes. the late 1800s, early 1900s. Right. Uh, they were rather forward-thinking. They had uh, telegraph lines yes. into the community so they could get news and information in and out. Right. Uh, published several newspapers in yes, town. And yes. again, paper also had to be shipped in because there were no trees to yeah. make pulp and all of that. All the dishes, every single piece of that town was You saw that a lot in town, didn't you? All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just like they up and left one day, which uh, is often they, what they did. Exactly what they did. Yeah. And they had uh, about a dozen or so miles away from town, they found a source of uh, falling water that they uh, put a generation plant in and generated their own electricity. Uh, first hydroelectric plant on the west coast of the United States. Yes. And uh, the people that were telling me the story on staff chuckled about it, saying they only laid the wire straight. Yes. Because they were concerned that if the wire curved, the electricity would jump the track, so to speak. Yes, And yes. it would never make it into town. I know, I know. I think we know more than that these days, right? <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, yeah. But you don't know. You So, okay, let's no. make it straight. No, and it was the longest... Uh, uh, trail, if you will, wrong word, uh, longest string of, of wire on the West Coast for many, many years. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fun. Well, there's the mill in the background. And that's a good shot to explain why there. Uh, yes. Why did Waterton Bodie decide that that was the place he was going to dig for gold? Well, if you look at all of the surrounding hillside, as you've seen in these photographs up to this point, they're all of the same color, the same texture, the same, the same, the same. And when he looked at this Bodie Hill, there was something very different in horizontal lines through the earth. And he thought, that's got to be gold. That's got to be silver. That's got to be something interesting. Yes. And he never lived to know he was right. I know. That's what's so sad, isn't it? And speaking of Bodie, he spelled his name different than the town does. Do you know why? Well, as B-O-D-Y, right. as the first version, I thought, well, you know, people would call him body. Right. And phonetically, then it became something else over time, several something else's yes. over time. Yes, yes. And uh, I think you were the one that mentioned the story that there was a livery stable. Yes. And the guy didn't know how to spell. 
So he spelled he, it phonetically. He, yeah, he painted it on the sign, hung the sign up on the building, and that's what it became. Yeah. <laughs> B O D I E. Oh, I just I, I feel sorry for um, Bodhi himself that he didn't know he had really discovered gold because he was coming back in a snowstorm and trying to survive. And the people with him made it back to the cabin, makeshift cabin, and he didn't. And they found his remains of his body later on, um, in fact, much later on, that he never knew what this town became. And that's, again, if you look at it, you're looking at about 8 to 10% of what the town was like during its peak times. And just some numbers. Uh again, that, that Bodhi never knew were going to happen. Um, population was between 10 and 15,000 people right. at the peak. And when he saw that mountain that looked different, um, he never knew that they would dig $34 million of gold. And those are 1880s, 1890s dollars. Right. By a modern calculation, that's 900 B with a billion dollars, yeah. almost a trillion dollars of value yeah. from that one mountain. One of the things that few people really understand is that uh, we often think of San Francisco and its growth after the 1906 uh, earthquake yep. and, and the damage. When this was all before then, this is a major dollar coming from this from Bodie that started San Francisco. In fact, people would come out. To, to do the uh, prospecting and, and, and so forth. Uh, down, they'd go down the tunnel where it would be very hot. So uh, I guess we've got to behave ourselves because if we go down. <laughs> you know we, it's down there. We, you, we, we know it's down there, yes. And, uh, it, and then they would come up to what often was in the wintertime well below freezing, even below zero temperatures. And a lot of people died of pneumonia and you can see why they're coming up sweating and hot and everything else and going out and i don't care how you dress up you're still going to be warm and sweaty and and so forth and that's what limited the depth of these early mines is you can only go so far down before yes. you cook yes so then they tried to go in horizontally um with some of the same issues and challenges yeah uh so they would just start another hole and keep going down now, what's up on the top of, of, of the ridge up there? Uh, you'll see different piles of mine tailings. Yes. Um, and there were two processes of, uh, of gold and silver production that were pioneered in Bodhi. One right. was to use uh, mercury, right. where you would grind the stone up and, and hammer it in a mill, turn it into a very fine, um, not quite powder, but a fairly fine mix, and then uh, soak it in mercury, and the gold would separate from the stone, and that's how you got your precious minerals. Right. And the workers at the time remembered wringing out the rags of mercury so that they could reuse that mercury for the next shift. Yeah. Uh, that was one way to do it, also highly toxic, was to use cyanide. <laughs> yes. That they had cyanide mills all over town to right. create this, what was really a very powerful poison. But you mix that with the, uh, the ground-up dirt, uh, and the metal separates. Yeah. But the problem is, once you get the gold, you don't want what's left. No. So you just dump it. Yes. And dump it for dozens of years. Right. Uh, and it becomes this almost bone-white pile of soil that is sterile and will be sterile for millennia. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the legacy of mining. And, and up, well, one of the things I was going to point out up there is up, up on the ridge 
you will also find um, um, the, the railroad that brought up from Mono Mills across Mono Lake, which is off of just off 395, and that's where they would bring a lot of the wood up and so forth. I had at least one, if not two, switchbacks, as I recall. During the dead of winter, they couldn't use it, of course, so they'd have to bring the wood and everything uh, uh, early. I love the fact that they were smart enough to figure out that they could put burnt ash and things like that that were the charcoal on the tracks as the winter was receding, that it would grab the sun and make the snow melt faster. Uh, but you do what you got to do, you know? Yeah, you use what you have. Yeah. Uh, amazing. There's the mill again. And um, the standard mill is open by guided tour only. Yes, okay. Um, yes. And if we have enough time today, we can see some of those interior pictures. Uh, a lot of the equipment is all still there in yes. arrested decay. Yeah. Uh, but can you imagine, you know, working up? Uh, in those hills, waking up by candlelight uh, when the steam whistle blows for you to go to work, and then you spend all and, day. And they were pounding 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah. You're not making money when it's off. No, you know? no. no. So um, all the noise, people just got used to it. Yes. <laughs> I love the hat on the edge, <laughs> of, the, edge of the chair. And, and all of these houses, as rustic as they seem, you know, they had china and silver yes. and linen and wallpaper. Yeah. And there's the parade. <laughs> Looks like a one-holer. <laughs> yes. Well, there were a lot of them, weren't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. Every house had to have, you know, every yeah. house or two would, would need a place to take care of business. Did you see in some of the homes a bathtub? Mm -hmm. Because that was the weekly bath for everybody, you know, that they would run the hot water yep and again it, the hot water was not plumbed hot water it was by buckets from the sink and poured in every so often but it's what you knew it's what you yeah. did yeah it really is impressive how much is there even though less than half of the original town yeah uh, survives yeah you can see evidence of vehicles 30s vintage yeah. Uh, that were probably there at the time of the fire, and then they just didn't yeah. remove yeah. what was left after that. Thank uh, the, you, the Thank you Bo Bodie Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, the schoolhouse off to the right yes. with the uh, uh, mast for the flag on top. Right. And there are books in there, and there's a globe in there. And right. And right behind it is uh, they store some of the uh, artifacts and things that they don't open to the public and, and so forth, because every so often they make some changes. And, and so forth. But yes, things are there just as they left. Uh, for, for many of the years, even though they did have some electric uh, machinery, a right. lot of it was done by steam. Yes. And to generate enough steam to run all of those mills uh, would take between 20 and 30 cords of wood a day. A day. A day. Yes. And each mill. Yes. And remember, no trees. So you're shipping in a lot. That's why they of built the railroad, mm -hmm. okay? Because yeah. they, they literally could not keep up with the, the wagons coming in and so forth. Um, just amazing how people had to live in those days. And again, this is the, the remains of, of the rainstorm moving out as yes. we uh, are taking some of these photographs. Yeah, you have to be prepared. You do. For, for weather. Um, um, it, it can snow 
I think it snowed a little bit. I mean, it didn't stick long just before you went down even. I mean, it, even in August, they can get, it can be miserably cold yeah. when, it, when the weather turns on us. It was, it was a unique moment when it started to rain because you had hmm, maybe 100, 200 people in the park. Yeah. So you saw all of these colored jackets and yeah. you know, modern clothing. And then it starts to rain and everybody found a doorway to stand. Yes. And the town then became vacant. Yeah. It was like a switch. That's fun. Yes. And there we are standing each in our doorway, looking out at a town with no people in it. Yeah. As you peered into some of the places from saloons to hardware stores to you name it, homes, obviously, what was, what was your favorite? Hard to pick a favorite, except there was one house um, owned by the Kane family, as I recall, yeah. um, who was a mayor at the time of the city's past, if I'm remembering. He was the but, banker. Was he banker? Yes. Uh, and the, if you're going to be anything in the town, <laughs> being the banker is the thing to be. politics okay. and business and, yes. and banking. Uh, on the second floor uh, is a window with white lace curtains in it, and there was a member of the park staff. Uh, we got to talking, and I said, so what's your best ghost story? And she didn't say there aren't any. She says, oh, let me tell you about the one that I saw. Okay. Okay. So the second floor of the Kane house, white linen curtains, she sees a woman just standing there, holding the curtains back with her hand. And, you know, the staff person waves, thinking it's a person, right? Because that's who it looks like. And the visage doesn't wave back. She closes the curtains and disappears. And that's a modern-day, 20-something, clearly lucid person who sees this at Bodie, California. Did anyone talk about the curse of Bodie? Is there one? Yes. What it is, is if you take something from the park, people have driven halfway across the country or sent it by mail to send it back because something's gone wrong. Of course, you're not supposed to take anything out of the park, but, um, uh, but people have sent things back and just because something's gone wrong in their life, the curse of Bodhi. There it is. Yeah. And some of these little homes are really pretty small when you think about it. But they spent a good part of the day in the mines uh -huh. or in the saloons. Yeah. Yeah. Or the red light district. Or the red light district. For yes. some. Yeah. Yes. I heard that was that was maybe was your favorite place. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore, kid. Oh. Darn it. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the red light district, which was typical for old western towns, yes. um, burned in the past fires. Also, the Chinatown, which was on the end of, of, of the city, yes. uh, was its own community, its own yes. language, of course, yes. and um, own customs and traditions. But uh, they did a lot of the heavy labor in town. This is kind of looking from behind you when you were taking this picture would have been the Bodie Bluff with the railroad up there and everything else in the mines. But if you look in the center of the picture is the uh, 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 current museum. and uh, Where these mugs came from. Right, right, and all that. Off to the right is the schoolyard. Behind it, behind, I mean the school building, behind it, down the road toward the parking lot up the, up the road there. Uh, would be the church, but uh, yeah, um, I, I would have loved to have seen the town as it was before 1932, because most of it still existed. Um, yeah. yeah, there of course was no way to get aerial shots no. back then, No, uh, and the few black and white shots that do survive uh, are 
not of the best quality. It's right, hard to right, see right, what you're actually right. looking at. One, um, one of the biggest days of the whole year in Bodhi was Independence Day. I mean, they brought in trees. You know, they would dig them up and, and put them around so there'd be trees next to a post, you know, the barber post or whatever it is. That was a big celebration. And the, and the mines would pay early because they paid on the 5th. And, of course, Independence Day is celebrated on the 4th. So they would get paid the before so they could do the last minute and spend a little time at the saloon and, and, and so forth. Yeah. Do you know what the favorite game was at the saloon? Game? Yes. Drinking game? Well, other than drinking game, card game. No. Pharaoh. Now, we all think by watching the old Western movies that it was um, poker, right? No. In the old West, it was Pharaoh, a different game than um, um, what we see as tradition in everything from Bonanza to you name it over our lifetime. But that was the game back then. So overall, uh, I asked you this before, mm -hmm. uh, when, when I think you were still down there, because I was really worried. I checked in with you several times, as you know. Yes. Jealous as all get out. <laughs> of course, um, I'm sending you pictures all the time. Yes. Can't. Here's that, what you're missing. Yes, I Just know. Just took this picture of Bodie. I yeah. know. And I go, ah, okay, that was so-and-so's home and so, so on. Um, but I ask you the question, did I overhype it? And your answer was? You didn't hype it enough. Um, when I was historian at the Davenport Hotel um, a decade ago, there was a line from a historian that I embraced, and it comes to mind as I look at something like this. History is not about what was. History is about what is. And all the people in these black and white pictures taken years ago or a century ago are not people who died. They're people who lived. Yes. Yes. So when you smell the sage, it's what they did. Yeah. When you look in the window, it's what they did. Yeah. When you walk those streets, it's what they did. Yeah. I don't think I warned you about the lynching that went on. Did I ahead of time? To tourists? <laughs> yeah. No. no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I could have said that too, yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's just so much, so much uh, history. Uh -huh. and, um, and I knew you loved history and, and so forth. And, and history yet to be told. Uh, yes. When I was in the gift shop getting our mugs, in walks this uh, young lady who described herself as a teacher, talking to the park staff about uh, stories that she could tell her class about the struggles that we're dealing with today. Yes. Racism, sexism, whatever the ism is that right. is in the news tonight. All existed there. Yeah. How did they deal with it? How did they process it? What's our legacy from that part of the story? And you know what happened in Chinatown? Some of that was written, but very little. Yeah. The the, the folks of Chinese descent were buried outside of the city graveyard. Right. They were not members of the community. Yeah. And even in death, they were separate. Yeah. So how can we revisit that through our modern eyes and say, what did they get right? And what do we need to change from that heritage? Right. There was a town down the road, which is very hard to get to, called Aurora. It's actually over on, uh, on the Arizona, um, Nevada side, if, if I remember right. And it was, it was built in brick uh, from the beginning. Uh, and there was a lot of trade going on between the two towns. 
in that town, I know there was a lot more taking sides during the Civil War because that happened in the 1860s, mm -hmm. 65, something like that. I don't think there was, as I recall, as much of that going on because Bodie really didn't start to go until uh, late 1860s, uh, uh, 1870s, 1880s were really the highlight and, and, and the best, best of times in terms of the growth uh, where they'd have um, hundreds and hundreds of people, of people come in daily and sleep on the floor of the saloons because there were no beds. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and you look at Nevada, the state next door, you yeah. know, battle-born Nevada. It could have gone to the Union, could have gone to the Confederacy, right. and that discussion was happening at the time all of this was all coming of, along. Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, let's give folks maybe a little idea of where this is. This is about, what, three hours south of Reno on yeah, 395? The, the closest... Um, good commercial airport uh, into which you could fly would be Reno, Nevada, right, right. Um, where my brother and I rented a car and then drove south. Right. And you can do it all in one day, but it's best if you split it up. Yes. Uh, it's a really nice place to stop and visit in Carson City, Nevada. Yes, yes. It's the state capital. Right. Um, and a lot of history there. A lot too. of history there, yep. If you ever bought a uh, um, silver dollar or gold piece minted at the Carson City Mint, uh, that building is still there. Yep. That press is still there. So you can see where your coin was born, yeah, and then go up into the mountains to see where the minerals came from that right. created that money. Right. right. Do you recommend people go? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No hesitation there. Yeah. Oh, you might want if you, if this was your first experience with a ghost town. Yeah. It's visiting the top shelf first. Yes. Everything else is going to be on a yeah. lower shelf. Yeah. So what you might want to do is start closer to home. Maybe visit a Garnet City in Montana, which right. is just. A short drive here right. from Spokane. Uh, Venet, uh, visit Garnet first or right. something similar. Right. Uh, get into the tune and the rhythm of a ghost town. Right. And then once you have kind of the basics figured out, go and listen to the symphony. Yeah, yeah. It, and you visited Virginia City, mm -hmm. uh, the one in Nevada. I know yep. there's one in Montana as well, not as big. And it's kind of modern day because you can drive down the main drag and, and everything else. It's almost too easy to get there. Yes, it's it, what, this half, you half hour, earn. 45 minutes from Reno and yeah. Carson uh, City and, and so forth. And it's fun to go sit where Mark Twain sat and see where he worked at the Enterprise and all of those kinds of things. But it disturbs me that you're, you're seeing people come by on a, in a car, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, this, there are no cars really in Bodie itself. Service vehicles, but they don't right. drive through the park. Right, right, right. It's yeah. a walking one. As you mentioned before, and as I tell everybody, no services. No. If you got a problem with your car, sometimes your cell service works. Now, you might have had better luck than I did because I haven't been there for like 12 years or so. There really isn't any in no. the park. If a member of your group um, uses a wheelchair or needs access, yeah. they have wheelchairs with these big balloon tires, almost okay. like a lunar rover. Oh, nice, okay. So that you get over this you, kind of yeah, landscape. You're, you're, you see, uh, uh, folks, you see the uh, uh, rocks in the road, and that's what you're walking on. Uh, you really are, and so it's not for the timid. Oh, yeah. but they do have uh, adaptable equipment Good. to help you access these roads. That's nice. That's nice. Great. 
All right, Bodie, California. Yeah, once a population it's a real place of around ten thousand people, and uh, as I said, uh, and I mentioned to you several times, really helped build San Francisco before the earthquake, and uh, and and so forth. In fact, a big trip out was to go down to the big city in San Francisco. Up several days trip, as you can imagine, over the mountains and all of that. This is on the on the east side of the Sierras. Uh, Yosemite is, uh, the east entrance to Yosemite is back out at Mono Lake and just a few miles, so maybe 30 miles from where this is. Um, uh, and uh, then south of that is um, Mammoth Lakes and all that goes on there. Uh, Mammoth, uh, this town of Mammoth has a great ski area, very popular, um, probably on, on the same ground and equivalent to Aspen and that sort of thing pricey homes and so forth. So it's a great area, it's my favorite area. And as I said, I started going there at age 14 and just fell in love with the whole area. Back in those, I, in those days, I actually fished, but, but not here at Bodie. Um, you had to import everything, but they did. They imported some of the best of things that they could have oysters at any time in some of the restaurants and so forth. And I think a meal was like 50 cents. Or, <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable. That was the time back then. Thanks for bringing the pictures and for um, for liking it like I did. Yeah. Okay. It's It gets to be a part of you. It does. You get to know these people through their stories, yeah. and that's the best part is that, uh, yeah, history is what is. Yeah. Now, it's rough in the wintertime to get in and to get out, and for the the uh, uh, rangers that are there year-round, but it's one of the most asked-for locations for the park service down there to be at Bodie is sort of a special place. So, all right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for the introduction to all a new right. friend. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Have a good day. Plan to go visit Bodie next year. Take care. Mm -hmm.